the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Gifts of the Spirit. It's a triune collaboration. We're laying a foundation for these gifts today on Way of Grace. First Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul does a comprehensive list of the various gifts of the Holy Spirit and why they are given and to what end. Well, as we begin this week, we do so with a foundation of these gifts. We're looking at the spirit of error in the church and the spiritual gifts to the church. Again, if we are in need of these gifts, why? And that's what we're answering today. And then we'll go on throughout the rest of the week to take a look at the spiritual gifts for the church, an overarching view, before we dive into them specifically. Right now, here's Pastor Jessica Stan with this Tuesday edition of Way of Grace. You want to, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue spiritual gifts. You want to pursue them. You do not want to neglect them. Spiritual gifts are not finally and totally about you. They're about God. And if my proposition earlier was true, daddy has no children who are without gifts. If that proposition is true, then I need to pursue the gifts, plural, that God has given me. The second thing you want to do in pursuing it is you want to ask God to help you discover them or identify them when you pursue them. Because they're not all easily discovered or identified. I want to pursue them in prayer. I want to ask God to show me what he has designed for me in my life and how I am to learn how to, uh, how to function in his will according to a spiritual dynamic, which is essential to me doing anything spiritual. The flesh profits nothing. So if I'm going to actually do something for the glory of God, he's going to, have to show me how that thing works in my life. Okay, so I want him to reveal to me my gifts and then I want him to give me grace after he after I discover them to receive them. Going back to a previous DOG, which we will pick up again in a couple weeks. What if God shows you gifts and yet you are negligent to receive them? You and I are now becoming culpable for what I'm going to talk about in the close of why God gives all of us gifts. He gives us gifts to give God glory. But are you ready? All gifts go back to God. So let me start again, because I want you to get this. This is a long running start on things I want you to understand. Pursue spiritual gifts, receive them. After they are discovered, receive them. And once they are received, have them affirmed. Affirmed. What do I mean by affirmed? No man boasted of himself, of his own gifts. Others have to affirm that gift in your life. Everybody loves to talk about how they love Jesus, how spiritual they are, and how they got all these gifts. But what if nobody affirms you in your gifting? You have just walked around deceiving yourself. 
This is part of the false prophet ministry and syndrome that dominates our world. Solomon said it just like this. He that boasteth in a false gift is like winds without rain and clouds without water. They look good, bring no consequences. Are you hearing me? So we want to be able to uh, seek, pursue spiritual gifts, discover them and then receive them. And upon receiving them, have them affirmed by others who are mature and are spiritual in nature and can tell you, yes, that is the gift of God in your life. You're going to see 1 Corinthians 12 is about an intramural working of the gifts of the spirit in the body of Christ. See, right now you're thinking autonomously. That's one of the major defaults that we have in our present culture. For God, he never thinks about the body of Christ autonomously. He never thinks about the finger by itself or the toe by itself or the hand by itself. God always thinks in the total composite of the body of Christ. So the gifts that I'm talking to you about are initially what we call in-reach gifts. We got two spheres that we're operating out of. I might as well give you them now. In-reach and outreach. In-reach and outreach. The goal of God and the saving of the people of God is to bring them into the body. And once you're brought in, there is an in-reach calling. In-reach. Where the body of Christ is to be operating internally among itself for the edification of itself in love so that it grows up and becomes strong and then can function as a testimony of him who came, assumed our nature and manifested the glory of God and the incarnation. Again, which we will worship here shortly in three weeks. Am I making sense? So we have inreach ministry and then we have outreach ministry. After we learn how to love each other on the inside, then we go on the outside. And expand the body of Christ by drawing men and women into a revelation of the glories of God in Christ by the gifts that God hangs on us. What do you mean hang on us? Well, we don't produce them. God deposited them in our life. And they're there to actually adorn his grace in our life and draw sinners to the message of the gospel. Some of y'all getting what I'm saying, right? right. So under our previous thought, I was saying this is about seven or eight things I want you to get. Get the idea of pursuing the gifts, discovering or affirm, uh, discovering or recognizing the gift and receiving them, then having the gift affirmed in your life by mature believers, and after that, have the gift developed. Because every gift that you have is not ready to go. I can tell you that now. I will show you this down the line as we unpack these. I'm giving you biblical text just to help you understand the categories and the nature of them right now. Every gift that you and I receive is not always ready to be given to somebody else. It's like fruit that will start budding on your branch and you think it's ready to give to somebody, but it's still very much unripe. It's still very much immature. It's still very much not sweet. And therefore, it will not be as effectual in people's lives or pleasant when they go to eat it. At best, they're going to go if they're mature. Yeah, all right. It's all right. But when it's mature... And it's ripe, and it's time, and everything is beautiful in its time. You can pluck the fruit without labor. You can eat it readily. And not only is it edifying in terms of building you up, but it's satisfying in terms of tasting good spiritually. 
It's the same thing with the gifts so that not only are we seeking to have the gift affirmed by others, which is how you bear witness to the truth of all things given to us, but we have them developed. And after we have them developed, then we employ those gifts. We, we practice those gifts. We execute those gifts. After that, we have had them develop. We exercise those gifts. And in the exercise, and I have a couple more things, you exercise them with joy. You exercise them by rejoicing in the gift, rejoicing not in yourself, but rejoicing in the gift, rejoicing not in the gift, but rejoicing in the God that gave the gift, rejoicing in the God that gave the gift and how that the gift becomes a blessing to others. Because you and I outside of Christ, we are so highly self-centered that the only thing that we ever rejoiced in is how it benefited us. But when we are walking spiritually and we can see God working through us to bless others in Christ's name, our joy is that God is chosen to bring us into the employment of his cause and gifted us to bless others with his gifts. Somebody ought to be happy about that. Because that's the end game. That's the end game. And after that, you and I have learned to pursue, after we have discovered, after we have had affirmed, after we have had them developed, after we have begun to employ them, after we have learned to enjoy being in the service of the Lord, well done, my good and faithful servant, enter thou into the what? Joy of the Lord. You read the book of Acts, powerful. Those disciples went to school for three and a half years. In that last half of that, that fourth year coming up, they were tried significantly and everywhere they went, you found these evidences. They were employing their gifts and they were enjoying the employment of those gifts. They were suffering for Jesus' sake and happy all about it, wasn't it? happy about it. In other words, the employment of the gifts that God gives us have to have a higher virtue and integrity by which those gifts are employed. Because the goal of the devil, I'm way into another sermon here. The goal of the devil is to make sure that if you use your gift, you don't enjoy them. Because half of his battle is to keep you acting like you don't know God is good. All he wants you to do is exercise your gift with an ugly face, an ugly attitude, a misprioritized agenda and motive. He don't mind you exercising your gift, but if you're throwing them at people, if you're doing it with a vengeful heart or rooted in pride, see, I'm way down on the other side, but it sounds like somebody needs to hear this now. Am I making sense? Right. I'm so happy to be in the kingdom. I'm happy to be in the kingdom. I'm happy to be saved, let alone gifted. Woke up one day and God had gifted me here and gifted me there and still gifted me in other areas. Hallelujah. I didn't ask for him. He gave them to me freely by his grace, but he has commanded me to pursue the development of them and the employment of them. He does not save any of his children for them to hang out and just kind of meander through life until Jesus comes. So happy. And I could say he can give you three or four or five gifts. Another conversation. I'm glad to have one, but then when I look up and I've got four, look at you, Lord, taking this raggedy broken stick, making it straight, bearing fruit on it all by yourself, feeding men and women all over the world in Jesus' name. Lord, get glory to yourself. I'm just happy to be in the number. And then understand the final one here. 
That after you and I have pursued them, after we have been able to receive them, after they have been affirmed, after they have been developed, after they have been employed, after they have been enjoyed, they will then be returned. Because we will all stand before God and particularly Jesus and give an answer for the gifts. Do you understand that? Gifts are given on loan by God to us for his glory. And he's looking for fruit. I'm sorry. He's looking for fruit. My, my God, my Savior is just like Isaac. When he saw the servant coming back with a woman sitting on top of those 10 camels, he said, that boy did good with my, with my goods. And so we all must meet the Savior, hoping and praying that the Spirit of God, the Eleazar in our life, will have worked in us these characteristics and gifts and calling so that the kingdom of God is advanced in Jesus' name. Am I making some sense? Did that come home? All right, then we got to go to work a little bit more. There are more things to say, but I really wanted to lay that down today on the practical end up front. What we're looking at in 1 Corinthians deals with what I call the origin of the gifts, the design of the gifts, the distribution of the gifts, the diversity of the gifts, the development of the gifts, and then somewhat the application. So we're going to have about five weeks to press into, starting with the context or framework of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this idea of the gifts of God. And as I stated before, the way 1 Corinthians 12 opens up, it opens up warning us about a misprioritizing of the gifts. Never, ever substitute the gifts for the giver. And you might say, no, 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 never, pastor. Let me share something with you. Everything in the devil and everything in you, apart from grace, will do exactly that. Everything in the devil and everything in you, apart from grace, will steal God's glory by using his gifts for your own honor and not the honor of God. This is the history of the church where God has blessed the church bountifully with all kinds of gifts and inevitably it goes astray, carping after the gifts instead of the giver of the gifts. This is your prototype of the uh, parable of the prodigal son. He wanted his inheritance now. That means he wanted his daddy dead in order to get his blessings now and live large now. This false euphemism, only one life to live, right? Is that the term how they put it? Live life only one time? I don't know the acronym because I don't like it. What's it, what's it called? You only live once. Now, you know that's a lie from hell. Do you know that? It should never come out of a Christian's mouth. All men will have two lives to live. One now and one in eternity. And how eternity is spent by you and me is based upon how we live now. Are y'all hearing me? The Corinthians had did something. Let's do some, some uh, exposition now under our first point. I want you to mark the title of our message is The Gifts of the Spirit, a triune what? collaboration. The gifts of the spirit are triune collaboration because in verses one through nine, although we're dealing with seven today, what I want you to see more particularly than the categories and identifications of the gift is how God himself so zealously employs gifts in our life. I want you to be able to see God. I want you to be able to thank him for what he has done. I want you to understand that who you are and who I am, our identity, our calling, our purpose, our usefulness is nothing but a consequence of God operating in all of his triune collaborative 
effects. So we are at point number one in our outline, the spirit of error in the church. Is that what you're saying? And after we deal with the spirit of error in the church, we are going to be dealing with the gifts of the spirit to the church and the gifts of the spirit for the church. Point number one, the spirit of error in the church. Will you mark with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 3? Paul opens up dealing with a problem. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. I know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God, call it Jesus accursed and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the spirit of God. Do you guys see that? Now what verse one through three does is it calls attention to the fact that the church at Corinth had begun to entertain the notion that you can be spiritually endowed with gifts by God and blaspheme Jesus at the same time. That you can be spiritually endowed with the gift of tongues, the gift of languages, and that even in the gift of tongues, uh, where there's no interpretation, that you can actually be cursing Jesus. The church at Corinth had actually collapsed into what we call syncretism. And that is they were living in a culture where other religious systems, mystical systems had already been operating and they were taking on what we call a pseudoglossalia as well. Pseudoglossalian, a, a tongues like manifestation, okay, an oracle manifestation in the temple with people who would come under some kind of spell and notion. And while they are under these spells and notions, they would go to speaking in Babel and that Babel then would have to be interpreted. And what would come out of that interpretation was a whole litany of all kinds of perverse things. And what the church at Corinth was experiencing because they didn't have a fence up. They didn't build a wall around their community. They didn't make a distinction between the saved and the unsaved. They were porous. They, they let everybody in their church. They were one of those churches whose philosophy is the church without walls. But I'm here to tell you, you got to have walls in your church. You got to have doors in your church. You got to have fences in your church because the true church has walls. The true church has fences. The true church has doors. And you got to enter in by the front door. Everybody else entering in is a thief and a robber. And the church at Corinth had all kinds of problems with false tongues and false visions and false revelations. And that's why Paul is opening up verses one through three, dealing with what we're calling the spirit of error in the church. And you and I have seen this in first John chapter four, verse four. It's only two spirits in the world, the spirit of what? Truth and the spirit of error. It's only two. And when a man or a woman or a people group are operating out of the spirit of error, they get Jesus wrong. They get the gospel wrong and they get the work of the Holy Spirit wrong. Just letting you know right now, keeping it short for time's sake. When you are operating out of the spirit of error, you get Jesus wrong. You get the gospel wrong. You get the spirit wrong. Paul said that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4 and 5. You have received another Jesus. You have received another gospel and you have received another spirit. Do y'all know y'all Bible? Because I don't have time all day long to tell you what the Bible said. I'm just quoting it. So there are professing Christians who have a wrong Jesus. They have a wrong gospel. They have a wrong spirit. And what Paul was saying to the church at Corinth is, watch this. He says, before you were saved... Before you were saved, you were tyrannically led by demonic, idolatrous systems. Isn't that what he says in verse 2? When you were Gentiles in the flesh, demons controlled you. 
And they did what they wanted with you. Now, let me make, again, a characteristic distinction between the Spirit of God and demons for time's sake. The radical difference between demon possession and spiritual influence is that the Holy Ghost never mimics demons. He never mimics demons. And demons never mimic the Holy Ghost. He never mimics demons and demons never mimic the Holy Ghost. In other words, demons do things within the limitations of their nature. And this is how we know them for who they are. They are always controlling. They are always tyrannical. They are always sensual. They are always devilish. They are always producing the fruit of confusion. They are always leading to depression. They are always leading to bondage. They're always leading to captivity and they're always leading to death. That's the only purpose for which he comes to steal, kill and destroy. Demons will temporarily manifest themselves as forms of light. Only to once you yield allegiance to them, they control you. They control you. The Holy Ghost influences you. He persuades you. He nudges you. You don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit where you are constantly resisting his will and he's got to wrestle with you all day long to make you do what you're called to do. That is not the nature of walking in the Spirit. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the things those of us who have lived long enough in Jesus have discovered is that when we are willful to go our own way, God will let us go. Your Bible is filled with the testimony and God let them have their way until the meat came out of their nostrils. And then he destroyed them for their rebellion because the only kind of relationship that you and I can have with God in a tangible way of reciprocation is obedience through faith. The only people that God is calling to walk with him are people who walk through the obedience of faith. See, and that's a gift of God. To be able to hear from the Holy Ghost and then obey him is a gift from God. The rest of mankind wrestles and argues and debates and avoids, even in the church. So the evidences of the, uh, the, the demonic spirits, according to Paul, is that they tyrannically lead you. Again, look at that verse. You know that you were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols. You see the term carried away? Vivid Old Testament picture of being plundered in a war, chained. And then carried naked like captives from one city to another until you reach the destination of your captors. Telling everybody along the way you are a slave. And that's how demons work. That's exactly the picture that Paul is painting. Follow this now. Even as you were led. Do you see it? Here on this side of the equation, what he says is that you were given over to them and you volitionally submitted to them. The moment that you said yes to demons, you opened the door for them to control you. Now, he says, conversely, in verse three, wherefore, I give you to understand. I want you to understand that no man speaking by the spirit of God can call Jesus a curse. Do you see it? The Holy Ghost doesn't accidentally blaspheme Jesus. 
He doesn't teach blasphemy of the spirit of Jesus. The Holy Ghost doesn't take you into such ecstatic experiences, mystical uh, 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 notions of him working in your life to where when you wake up, you wonder whether or not you blaspheme God. And, and I'm sorry, and I don't even want to be here long. It's just important. When you are babbling and calling that speaking in tongues, you can't tell me that you know what you're talking about. Because the very nature of an unknown tongue is that you can't know it. Somebody else has to give interpretation. Now stay with me now. I know a lot of my brothers and sisters who practice that feel like they're saved. I know you feel like you're saved. But there are a lot of you who are not safe and they know they're not saved. And they have a real concern over time with their conscience about what they're doing because you have to now wrestle between what you know and what you don't know. And particularly when you come up under sound teaching. When you come up under sound teaching, you have to wrestle with submitting yourself to a dimension of practice and dialogue within yourself that you call a spiritual gift, whether it's a tongue and prayer or what have you. You have to struggle with the cognitive side that God has called you to operate. Do all things with an understanding. The Ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Our goal here on the broadcast is that you grow in your walk and relationship with Christ, that you find yourself useful in His hands to the glory of His kingdom. Questions and comments about the broadcast can be directed to our phone number or our website or by writing to us. You can write to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Also, take advantage of past messages delivered by Pastor Jesse and guest pastors. It's free for the download. Again, grace-bible.com. If you'd rather contact us by phone, maybe you have a question or comment about the broadcast. Maybe you'd like a CD copy of today's message. Call us at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you enjoy the good old-fashioned way of getting in touch with folks, the U.S. Mail, our address is Way of Grace, 22768 Main Street. That's right here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. As you reach out to us for whatever reason, we would also ask you to prayerfully consider how you might partner with us financially. If you have added financial resources at your discretion, we would ask you to consider joining us as we present the gospel on a daily basis here on Way of Grace. This is a listener-supported ministry, and as you link arms with us, it ensures that we're able to continue the ministry here on this station. Please consider that as you get a hold of us and then join us again next time as our study in God's Word continues that you might find yourself on His way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.